you read through the book of Psalms, you find that there are a lot of musical instruments played and, uh, and, and um, used to glorify God. And, and I feel like that here at this church, um, we, we have not had a lot of musical instruments at our church. And uh, some, not, not none, but some, but to be able to see the multiplicity of them and to see different people jump in to play different ones in the same day, it's such a joy. And it's been, that's been one of the highlights, I believe, of joining together. Um, we're going to dismiss for junior church, and, um, and Miss Linda's back there. If anybody would like to be dismissed at junior church, you can go in the back, um, and they're going to have class. And then, of course, there's nursery all the way down the hallway and to the right, if you're not familiar where the nursery is, and that's for anybody who would like to use it. Of course, I want you to understand, your children are always welcome to stay in here, and don't worry if they get a little fussy. I'm glad you're here, and if your children being here with you uh, makes you feel most comfortable being here, then praise God, don't worry about it. no one's judging you. If they get a little fussy, all kids get fussy. I have six of them, and they still get fussy no matter what age they are. Um, if you feel most comfortable with putting them in class or nursery, that's there for you as well, but don't feel obligated. We're glad you're here regardless. Um, I just got a few announcements to uh, mention, and uh, then we'll get right into the Word of God. Our youth group is going to be taking a New York City trip next Monday, so not this Monday, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, and we're going to take like a 440-something train out of Ronkonkoma and coming back at a 10-something train out of Penn Station, but because we have a lot of people, um, we'll have a group rate, and it's $10 round trip for the tickets. Now, if you are interested in going, even with your family, you're welcome, you're welcome to come, you're welcome to stay with us. We go to Times Square, Bryant Park, um, we go to Rockefeller Center. Um, of course, there's certain regulations where we might not be able to go inside many places. Um, but what I'm saying is if you would like to go for your family, let's say you want to go and you're saying, well, I don't know where to go, come with us, you can take along. If you say, I want to go, but I want to do my own thing, but that's an excellent price to get into the city and back, by all means, you're welcome to take along just, um, and then separate from us and then reunite with us later on. Um, just got to let me know so I get the right amount of tickets, but that'll be um, next Monday if that's for anybody who's interested, not just teenagers. Um, so you just let me know about that as well. That's the only announcements that I'll take note of. The schedule's still the same. We have church tonight. We have church on Thursday, and, and both those services have been, been wonderful. Oh, and then we do have Christmas Eve service. That'll be at our building, New Hope Baptist Church in Holbrook. It's literally a seven, eight-minute drive from here, and um, 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. It's a little earlier than maybe you're used to, um, but we do that. That way you can be able to still maybe go to family events or different things like that without having to feel conflicted or... Um, having to choose one or the other, but um, you're definitely invited to come, but don't feel obligated in any which way. Let's open up in a word of prayer. You can open up to Philippians chapter 4. It's kind of interesting that I was thinking about preaching Philippians 4 last week, and God moved me in a different direction, and then this week um, I was praying about something different, and he moved back to Philippians chapter 4, and I think it'll make sense uh, by the time we're done. And uh, I really, as if you're saying, how does a preacher, I don't know how any other preacher chooses what topics or what um, passages to preach on. I just know that I, as best I know how, and this is not to sound spiritual any which way, best I know how I really wait on the Spirit of God to point in a direction whenever that may be throughout the week. I don't have something pre-planned or I don't force it. I just allow the Spirit of God to point in the direction and then I'm just, I just deliver the mail. I just show up and say, here's what God has for us today. Um, but it's not my planning. So if it works out and fits, that's God. And if it doesn't, that's probably I messed it up somewhere. So we'll call it that. Let's pray, and you can be in Philippians chapter 4. 
Father, once we, again we come to you, Lord, we're so thankful for your son who died for us, Lord. And, and this world is chaotic, Lord. The world is missing so much, and the world is in turmoil, Father. And, and that turmoil pours out into our lives at times. And Father, yet we, we're told that you are our peace. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you give guidance and direction in that area, and Lord, that you would speak to our hearts in a way that only you know how. Father, that would not be man's words or ideas, Lord, but they'd be supernatural from the perfect, infallible Word of God. And that the Spirit of God, Lord, that we just spoke about, Father, would lead us into a greater understanding. That we'd put aside our humanity and our flesh today, Lord, that we might be filled with the Spirit of God and hear from heaven that we might be helped, and we might be helped in our families, and we might be helped in our individual walk with you, Lord. And we might be a help to those that are hurting in society. And Father, I pray, Lord, if anyone does not know where they'll spend eternity. Lord, I pray that today would be the day they call on you as their own personal Savior, and they could be saved. And Father, I just pray that you'd anoint all our time, be with the children, give them a wonderful time, uh, Lord, in their ministries. And Lord, we're just so thankful for all you do for us. We pray now all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to read you a couple other passages before we get to Philippians chapter 4, but you're, you're good where you're at. We preached on hope last week, and, and the idea of hope is expecting and, and joyfully expecting what God is going to do and what he said. We trust his word, and then we, we anticipate what he's going to do. I don't know if your life went like this this week, but mine certainly did. Um, as I left church last week, I was excited and expecting what God might do. And then the devil did real, real good job of trying to rob me of hope trying to rob of that, and trying to run interference on that. And I dare say that the same is going to be true today as we look at the area of peace and, and this area of, of how God gives peace, that the devil and the world and the flesh are all going to try to rob you of that. Now, I don't think it's any mystery that we look out in society and we say they are lacking peace. That tranquility, that assurance, that, that rest, and we'll get to all of those different things. But the world runs chaotic. The world is in fear. The world is in, in turmoil. The wor world is in like a vortex of, of just not sure which way is up, not sure what is right and what is wrong, not sure where to find peace, not sure where to find hope. And yet we're told over and over in the Word of God that God brings peace. Now I want to read for you from Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to get to where we're going to get to. But in Isaiah chapter 9, Verse number 6, Isaiah writes the prophecy. You know this well. You may have even sung it if you sung the Messiah. For unto us is a prophecy long before Jesus was born, but for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, watch this, the Prince of Peace. So we're told that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now in Luke chapter 2, when, when the angels appear, this is the story of Jesus. We preached on this a few weeks ago, a few months ago, on Thursday night as we're going through the book of Luke. But the Bible says, and they were, in verse number 8, and they were in the same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. So the shepherds are keeping their animals, and, and the angel appears to them, and they're, they're terrified. They're scared out of their mind because they're not used to a, a, a glowing light and angels coming before them. That doesn't shock us that they're afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory in God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. One of the objectives or one of the things that Jesus brings when he comes to earth is peace. Peace on earth. Now, if you and I are going to look around, I think we can all have the same conclusion. There doesn't seem to be much peace on earth. Now, you can interpret that however you want. You can look at that as, is there peace within country to country? And we say, no, there's still conflicts. There's definitely not inner peace or personal peace for most individuals. At best, at best, they have moments of peace throughout the week, but they have no sustaining peace. Even within our own country, yet we have another school shooting. Everything opposite of peace. There's a lack of that, and yet Jesus, when He comes, it said, peace on earth. One more passage before we get to Philippians chapter 2, but it's John chapter 14. Now in John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing the disciples that he's going to die and then he's going to ascend up into heaven. He's going to leave them and they're like, no, 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 you can't leave us. Uh, we, don't, we don't know how to get along without you and we don't know where you're going to go and you can't, you can't leave us. We, we put all of our eggs in this basket. You, you cannot leave us. And he goes on to say, no, it is, I must go, and I'll, I'll send you the Comforter, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. But look what he says in verse 27. So at the beginning of Jesus' um, birth, it said about peace. Before he was born Prince of Peace, and now he's going to die. And he says, verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid we're going to go to john we're going to go to philippians chapter 4 in just a second because here's what i want to see we know jesus promises this peace he is peace he leaves us peace but how in the world do we apply that peace how do we live in that peace how do we get it it's just christ i, I, I tell me if i'm wrong as christians maybe as a new christian you might be thinking okay jesus is my peace Jesus is my peace. I don't feel at peace. I don't have peace. But he's my peace. What in the world's wrong? Why can I both feel conflicted without peace, and yet I'm told he has peace? How do I apply that? How do I get it? Am I wrong in, in that we've been there at times like that? Philippians 4, 14 is gonna, I mean, Philippians 4 is going to address that. Here, we notice a few things about peace before we get to Philippians 4. We're still in John 14. He says, peace I leave with you. And then he, he, he qualifies it and says, it's not the same peace as the world gives. It's not. It's different. We know how to sort of get the world's peace. Uh, today, some of you may, uh, may use sports as a way to just kind of tranquil your mind. And, and i got to get away and I'm going to watch football to try to distract myself from the world uh, from the stresses from the pressures and i'm not saying that's wrong and i might give temporary peace 
uh, 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 going to a celebration, a birthday party, a wedding, that might give temporary peace. Jesus says, I'm giving you a different peace. It's not like what the world gives. It's not what like, the world experiences. It's much different. And then he gives some things that kind of accompany peace. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's something about peace from God that accompanies a non-troubled heart and a non-fearful mind. What does it mean to be troubled? Full of anxiety, full of anxiousness, full of what if, full of stress. Can I confess something to you today? I struggle with that every week. I struggle with anxiety every week. I struggle with what ifs. I struggle with being my heart troubled. I don't want to, but sometimes it comes. Then it says, neither be thou afraid, neither, or neither let it be afraid. There's something about peace that gives you freedom from fear. Now, I don't struggle with fear as much. But we do know this, in our flesh, we're full of trouble and we're full of fear. And yet God says, I want to give you freedom from that. I want to give you peace. I am peace. I leave with you peace. So we come to Philippians 4. This is our passage today. And we mentioned this a little bit last week. Paul is in prison. And he's in prison for preaching the gospel. So for serving God, he gets put in prison. And imagine, if you will, these prisons are not the same accommodations as modern prisons. These are ancient prisons, ancient Roman prisons. And, and you can imagine the dungeon-like feel to them, the lack of civil rights to them. You can feel the horrific nature of them. Imagine what, what you will. He's in an ancient prison, and he's writing now, a letter to the church at Philippi, to the church uh, of that land of Philippi, you know, settled by Philip of Macedonia and all that, but to these people. And look what he writes. It's something bizarre. It's something that doesn't make sense. It's something that wouldn't be natural to us being in prison for doing right, not for doing criminal acts, but for, for preaching and for serving God put into prison. And he writes in verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always and again, I say rejoice. Now this ties into that hope that I'm excited to see what God's going to do, how he's going to use this. Um, but he says, I want you to rejoice always. And now he's writing to encourage other people, yet he in himself is in a place of trouble, a place where could be fearful, a place that could be completely horrific. And he's, he's encouraging somebody else. I want you to rejoice in God. I want you to be excited in God. I want you to have the joy of the Lord. I want you to have that hope in God. Now, if we're putting two and two together, we're listening to this letter, we might be a little peculiar, feel a little peculiar and say, how in the world can he feel joyful for being in prison? How can he's in this trial? He's in this. And, and by the way, he's going to eventually get to a place where he's executed. And he knows that. He's not going to be at a place where it is all going to eventually work out circumstantially. And yet he's saying, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says it again. And again, 
Rejoice. I say rejoice. Now, I'm going to say this before we get to the next verse. The reason he's able to rejoice in the Lord always, despite circumstances, the reason he's able to have the hope despite circumstances is because he has peace. That means nothing around him is threatening enough to rob him of the joy. I wish that I was as spiritual as Paul to have such peace in my life that no circumstance could rob it. Sometimes I get real excited. I'm like, okay, I got peace. Nothing's going to rob it. And then all of a sudden I get a text message. And now I feel like I want to crawl under a bed and hide. Or I think a thought, and the accuser of the brethren comes. Or my own lack of thinking, or my own overthinking, or whatever it is. It feels like the temptation to be robbed of that peace comes. And I wish I would say I never struggle with this, but that's not the truth. So how, how, how is this, how does this happen? Well, look at verse 5 now. We're going to start and get into, we talked about Jesus is the peace. He leaves peace with us. The peace is found through the Holy Spirit of God. It's found through Christ in a relationship with Him. It's found in the Word of God. Yes, yes, and yes. But what does this mean? So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he starts giving almost what is a prescription of happenings, of what to do. He says here, let your moderation, this is King James word, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The word moderation is the same that's translated elsewhere in the Bible as gentleness. Let your gentleness be known unto all men. Let it be seen. Let it be known. Let it be seen that you, despite circumstances, are going to handle everything with a gentleness that only comes from God. What happens when we're in chaos and we're feeling that anxiety? What happens when we feel in turmoil? What happens when we feel threatened? I, I think we often get chaotic we we go crazy we we start moving around and we we start sometimes we act vengeful sometimes we get mad sometimes we get we get really angry about things we we have wrath inside of us and he says no 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 let your gentleness be known it's easy to expose this as a parent when you're going through a stressful time how are you parenting? Are you quick to be like, get up in your room, get up in your room, sit down? Or are you gentle? Now I'll tell you, it's not easy to be gentle at all times when kids are driving you nuts and the world is driving you nuts. Sometimes you want to scream and yell. I don't know how many times David and Stephanie heard any volume come out of our house. Sometimes we'll, we'll yell at a kid and I'll look to see if the window's open. I'm like, it happens. But let your moderation be known. Let there be a gentleness. Paul is answering this in a gentleness. He's not accusing the, the Roman soldiers of having been horrific, and he's not blaming God for being in prison. He's got a gentleness. He, he, he's, minist he's in turmoil. He's ministering. He's encouraging. He said, the Lord's at hand. You can take that which way you want. Either the Lord's presence is with us, or the Lord will be here soon. You can take whichever way you want. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord is nigh. All of that. Now here comes that formula. Verse 6. 
be careful for nothing. The word careful has the idea of being anxious, being worried. The word careful, full of care. And, and what Paul is saying, hey guys, do you know why I can rejoice in the Lord always? Because I'm not allowing myself to worry and be anxious and be full of what if, what if, how come, how, what about this and what about that? No. Be careful, be anxious, be worried about nothing. Now, notice in a second that this is not just an act of the will, it's a replacement. Right? How many of us might be like, okay, I'm not going to worry. I've decided I'm not worrying. Mind, why are you worrying? I just said I'm not worrying anymore. There has been times in my life where I began to worry about whether or not I was going to worry. I went through a bout of insomnia a few years ago that was anxiety-driven. Where when I, I was fine all day, and then when I would lay my head on the pillow, I would be so anxious that I would not be able to sleep, that the anxiety about not being able to sleep caused me not to be able to sleep. It was like this vicious cycle. And so be, and I, would, I would quote this verse, don't be, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But an act of the will is not enough. But there's a replacement. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. So see the contrast? Nothing worry, nothing be full of care, nothing be anxious, but in everything. Here's what you do with everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So notice the, the list here. It says, but in everything by prayer, that, that's our approach to God. Now, if you want to know the doctrine of prayer in a nutshell, it's this. We have access to God as believers because as we are in Christ, we are priests before God. And so therefore, we boldly approach the throne of grace that we might get help in a time of need. We get to barge into the throne of grace where God sits and says, here is my cry, here are my petitions, here are my needs, here is where I'm failing, here are my confessions, here's what I need help with, here is my despair, here are my thanksgiving and praise. We get to boldly approach it. So he says, instead of worrying, now this might sound real cliche, so don't take it cliche, don't take it as, oh yeah, 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 put that on a bumper sticker. But the reality is instead of worrying, we go to God in prayer. That's our approach. And then it says, by prayer and supplication. Supplications are our, our petitions. God, here's what we need. And some of it is, God, here's what you said you're going to do. And I'm praying what you said you were going to do. And some of them are, Lord, I need your help here. And I need my, out of the depths of, of despair, I cried out to God. Be... If I could say it like this, and, and you've heard me say this before probably, be ugly with God. He already knows. If you're a mess, be a mess in the prayer room. Let God know who you are, what you're doing. God, I messed up again today. Or, or God, I'm freaking out again today. And Lord, I, I'm doubting you. I'm worrying. I'm, I'm not trusting you. I'm a man of my wife. I'm a man of my kids. I'm a man of myself. Be ugly before God. Let it all out. 
all your worries, all your concerns. I love what, he, what, what Peter writes, casting all our care upon him, for he careth for you. So instead of worrying by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving a couple weeks ago, right, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Paul says, in prison, I've learned this, or I, I apply this. Instead of worrying about what's going to happen, and I don't have enough food and water, or, or the bugs are nasty and creepy, or I'm going to die, he said, I have an active prayer life where I'm saying, God, thank you for allowing this. And God, here's what I need. Here's what I, I have hope for. Here's what I want. Pray for this church and those people. Pray for these ones I love that I don't see anymore. All those things, he goes before God. He says, let your requests be made known unto God. Let God's, you know what? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Some of the times where because God didn't show up in your life is because you didn't come to ask. He's been waiting for you to come. And I wonder if in heaven we'll ever get knowledge of the times that God would have done but didn't because we didn't have the courage, the trust, the desire to come unto him and ask. He says, come to me. Yeah, you messed up. So what? Come to me. Some, here's what the devil does. Here's what, what our flesh does to us. We mess up and we say, okay, I better not get near God now. God doesn't want to hear from me. Friend, yes, he does. He knows. The prodigal son ran out, did a lot of horrific things. What was the father doing the whole time? Waiting on the porch for the son to come home. Waiting on the porch. God knows. When you're failing, when you're falling, when you're messing up, that's the best time to go to God. It'll be in your mind, ah, stay away. You don't want to hear from you. Oh, you messed up. You better stay out of church. Church is only for good people. Listen, church is not a country club. It's a hospital. It's where we are who are broken come on this journey. We're just a bunch of broken people. We're just a bunch of messed up people in a messed up world journeying together in this area of faith in Christ. That's what it is. And, and we're we're, we're having him work on us every single day. We're works in progress. And that means you too. So why you didn't do what you should have done this week? Come confess it before God. Come be restored. Maybe you have a great need. Let your request be made known unto God. So here we have part one is don't worry about it. Pray about it, right? Sounds real cliche like a bumper sticker. But when you do that, look at verse 7. And the peace of God, that's where it is, right? You were, we're so, I thought we were talking about peace, right? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, when you will start to take this approach, when you'll come to me instead of worrying about it, worry to me. When you're complaining about your own, instead of complaining about your own heart, complain about it to me. When you're, when you're freaking out, freak out before me. Instead of doing it and worrying about it and being anxious, come to me. When this starts to happen, there's going to be this peace. The best phrase in that, that verse is that passes understanding. 
know what that means? It's not comprehensible. It doesn't make sense. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It's not of this world. It's not of you. It's not through meditation. It's not through discipline. It's through Christ. Remember what Jesus said? The peace I give to you is not of this world. It's not the same one. It's a different one. He's the prince of peace. You know what most people in this world are looking for? It's not more money. It's not more friends. It's not more power. It's not more position. It's not more relationships. It literally is just peace. They think the money will bring them peace. They think the popularity will put them in a place where they can be at peace. They think the friendships and the relationships or the, the you know, romantic relationships, that's finally going to get them in a place where they're going to get peace. Like I said, those things may bring some bouts of satisfaction, but none of them bring the Christ satisfaction, the peace that passes all understanding. That means there's not a person in this world who can rightly understand it naturally. Is that the peace you and I want? I don't know about you, but I'd sign up for that right now. I want that peace. It'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That means it'll keep your affections and your emotions and your thinking all on Christ. It'll be just, that's what I need. I don't need anything else and all those other things. Yes, they may be part of the circumstances of life and, and God may allow me to use those things and see those things, but ultimately all my peace comes from above and there's nothing in this world that can threaten that. Paul knows this. He wrote it, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Why? Because he had this peace. He knew this, okay, what are you going to do, kill me? I'll go to heaven. What are you going to imprison me? I have the joy of the Lord. I'm preaching to people in prison. I don't care. Well, how is that possible, Paul? The peace that only comes from God. We talk about peace in the Advent. We talk about peace in the birth of Christ. It's nice to picture the peaceful little baby in a manger. But it wasn't the baby that brought peace. It was the crucified, resurrected Christ who defeated death that you and I might be saved and redeemed and reconciled that brought peace. It's when He transformed us, gave us the Spirit of God and said, you're no longer of them, you're mine. And, and, and it's different. And I give you peace. Look at this next verse. So through this comes the peace that passes understanding. He says, finally, brethren, and he gives this list, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest and whatsoever things are, of, uh, uh, are just and whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. He gives a list of positive attributes that all can point right back to God, true and pure and virtue and good. When I listen to the news, it's everything opposite of that. The news messes with my head all the time because it's bad and it's sad and it's turmoil and it's horrible and it's conflicting and it's fighting and it's who knows if it's true information or not. He says, think on these things. You have to, you and I, have to lead our thinking 
We can't allow our thinking to lead us. We got to lead our thinking on the things that are good, on the things that are God. On the why do we sing songs, right? We sing praises to God. This morning, my kids, and if you weren't at VBS, you wouldn't know. My kids were screaming at the top of their lungs, "Giddy Up Junction," which was one of the theme songs, right? And um, shout and sing. Jesus is, you know, this is what Jesus is all about. They're singing at the top of their lungs. And they're not doing it for any other reason because it's stuck in their head and they're like in VBS mode for some reason this morning. I sat and thought, that's why I love VBS. They have a song in their head. And you know what? Little kids, they don't worry about much. They're innocent. They're simple. As long as there's a good structure around them, as long as there's a, I mean, there's some children that don't get that privilege, but the ones that do and and they're singing glory to God, and they don't even know what they're doing. When you're singing praise to God, when the songs get stuck in your head, your mind is upward rather than sideward. Peter, if you remember the story, was in a boat with the rest of the disciples, and Jesus was walking on water, and Peter has this outrageous request, outrageous. Let me walk on the water. I bid me to come out there. And Jesus says, come. And Peter, very full of peace, if you will, begins to walk on the water. Right? Like, you don't do that unless you're at peace and trust of God. Like, he starts walking on water, and this is awesome. But then a few steps out, what happens? The peace is robbed from him because he takes his eyes off of Christ and begins to allow the circumstances of the situation to become the thing he sees and thinks about. And what happens? Immediately the peace is robbed and he begins to sing. And it's just like our Savior to not let him sink, but to say, friends, it's the same with us. Our attention is on God, our focus is on God, our trust is on God. And we have that peace that passes understanding. We're walking. We're seeing amazing things. We're seeing God use us. We're seeing outrageous things happen. And then we start calculating. And we begin to sink and we say, I have no peace. Why not? Because we didn't think on these things. We started thinking on other things. We started thinking on the horrible things. We started thinking on the worldly things. We started thinking on all the stresses of life. Can I remind you, God knows every stress you're going through. He knows everything. All the conflicts, all the hardships, all the bad things He knows. And yet He's promising us here the peace that passes understanding. But He says, brethren, I want you to think on these things. What Paul is kind of emphasizing, if he's given his own testimony, he's saying, you know, I'm in prison. I'm not thinking about all the things I don't have. I'm thinking on all the things that God has blessed me with. I'm thinking about his plan. I'm thinking about his use of me. I'm thinking about all of these different things, not on those things. Then he gives them another challenge. Verse number nine is where we'll end. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. So he said, I want you to think on these things. And then you know the things that I do in ministry and encouraging people and praying for people and, and, and being about God's business. I want you to do those I want you to serve him. I want you to serve God. And in serving God and loving people, love God, love people. Serve God, serve people. Don't serve for glory. Don't serve for self. Serve for God and serve for the love of people. 
Do those things. So I want you to lead your mind into thinking about God and the things of God and the things of peace and, 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 and goodness and virtue. And then I want you to actively serve. And then watch this. And the God of peace shall be with you. There's that word again. It started off with don't be worrying about everything, but pray. Let your gentleness be known. God's there. Lead your thinking to the things that are above. And serve Him. And the promise is the peace that passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And the God of peace shall be with you. If right now, here's the fascinating thing. If right now, somehow I, I secured a venue and I was going to do a TED Talk on how to get the peace, the inner peace, I'm pretty sure we'd sell out that venue. But here we are giving the only real way to have peace. And yet for some of us, they're going one ear and out the other. For others, when they're invited to church, <laughs> and so the wheels will spin. There'll be no peace. If you put your eggs in the basket of this world, you're going to be in trouble. If you put your eggs in the basket of self, you're going to be in trouble. Everything in social media is filtered. We know that, right? You know it's fake. It's the best of someone. It's the filtered of someone. As best of a life as they seem to have, as wonderful of a life as they seem to have, as perfect of a family, it's all filtered. Sometimes we look at that and go, why am I not like that? And it's, no, no, They're not like that either. This world's chaos. But Christ says, I'm the Prince of Peace. I leave you peace. The coming of Christ brought peace on earth. And Paul says, here's how to have the peace of God that passes understanding and the God of peace to be with you. But why do we spin our wheels? Why do we fight it? Why do we run away from it? I can't tell you how many times this passage has been the key passage I've used in some kind of counseling situation. Usually almost all counseling is because there's heartache, hardship, some kind of lack of peace from circumstances. Do you know how many times I've used this passage and I said, okay, don't talk to me, I have to read the Bible, and I'm just reading this passage that I've read a thousand times. Why? Because there's times where I lose that peace because of my own thinking. This is one of the key passages to say, okay, what is that peace? What, okay, Jesus is peace. That's great. What is it? And how do I get it? It's the tranquility. It's the ability to have hope. It's peace leads to hope. Because when I have peace, I say, I'm, I can joyfully expect what God's going to do. And it doesn't matter the circumstances. Hey, friend, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you struggle with and when I said about the facade, we know this, right? Some of the funniest, most comedic actors are struggling inside with no peace. 
Some of us put on a funny facade because it's the only escape from the inner turmoil. But here's the reality of real peace. I don't know if you're struggling today. I don't know if you come with a smile, but inside, man, is stressing, and inside there's lack of peace. Inside you're hurting. Inside you don't know, and you're confused, and you're bewildered, and you don't know which way to go and how to get there. Hey, hey, God knows. You're in the right place. And it may be a process. Sometimes God might give an immediate peace. Sometimes God might slow it down and say, okay, just keep trusting me. I'm working this out. But we know this. Peace. I did see a bumper sticker. I think Diane had it when I was a teenager. I saw it in the back. Did you have this one? No God, no peace. No God, no peace. Okay, I thought she did. Did you ever see that one? K-N-O-W, God, K-N-O-W, peace. N-O, God, N-O, peace. Got it? It's like a play on words. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't even know where to start with God. I don't know where I am with God. I don't know if I have a relationship with Him or not. You're in the right place, friend. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you feel lost, you're in the right place. All of us were lost. All of us who are saved were found by Christ. And you might be here today because Christ found you. And He said, I want to give you that peace. I want to give you that direction. So here's what we do and we're done. Stop worrying about it. Every time you worry about it, pray about it. With thanksgiving, supplication. Don't react. Have a gentleness response. Rejoice in God. That goes back to the hope and thank, giving thanks. Lead your thinking. Think on these things. And then serve Him. Serve Him. Serve Him. One last Bible illustration. We'll, we'll be done. Keep saying that. Um, Elijah had great victory on top of Mount Carmel and all this, uh, this fire sent down amidst all these false prophets and his great victory and then a day or two later, he's running away for his life. He was threatened. All his peace had been robbed. He kind of falls asleep, depressed for a season. And the, the Lord allows him to kind of rest there, feeds him with angels, angels literally cooking him food. And then the still small voice of God comes to him and eventually says, okay, it's time to get back up and serve. If you lack peace, sometimes it's okay to rest and seek God. And then there's come a point where you have no peace. And God will allow you to serve. Yesterday, David and Stephanie came over, and in the midst of it, I don't, they don't even know this, in the midst of this, I got a text message that sent me upside down, full of anxiety. And I was like, <sighs> through that text message, I wound up talking to the person, and though it caused me anxiety originally, I was able to minister in a way that I never saw fit. And it brought great peace. The serving brought peace. And I thought that was really unique because I was about to lose my mind and now I'm here ministering. It's strange. So there's peace in serving. There's peace in thinking on God. Singing the, I don't care if you have to sing Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Whatever you've got to do, think on those things. 
and get on your knees and pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Maybe you have the most peace of anybody in here, and to that I would say, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for how God does that in your life. Maybe you're in here and your mind is spinning, your life is spinning, your, man, it's just outrageous what's going on. And maybe nobody knows about it. Maybe no one's sure about it. Maybe if the one thing you could ask for for Christmas, well, I wish I had peace. Hey, you're in the right place. I want to pray for you today. Let me ask you a couple questions, and no one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to call you out. Nobody's going to make you do anything you don't want to do. I just want to pray. I just want to know how to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. I just want to go to God on your behalf. How many people here would say, Pastor Jason, if I were to die today, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't even know where my journey with God is. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Could you pray for me about that? Would you quietly raise your hand if that's you today? I'm not sure. I see your hand. God bless you. I'm not sure where I'm at in that. Can, can you please pray for me? I see your hand. Anybody else? Let me ask this question now. How many people here would say, Pastor Jason, I'm really struggling with peace in my life. Would you pray that God would give me the peace that passes understanding? Would you pray that I'd be able to do what God wants me to do in these areas? If you're lacking peace and you want me to pray for you, would you raise your hand? I see a lot of hands. A lot of hands. Yeah, see, we're not alone, friends. We're not alone. Anybody else didn't raise your hand? I really need more peace. I didn't see your hand, but praise God, I see your hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes understanding shall keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Let's stand to our feet, head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. The piano is going to play. If you want to come pray about something, anything at all, this is an invitation for you. You come up, you just kneel down here and you pray. Maybe you're praying for peace. Maybe you're praying for peace for somebody else. Maybe you're, pray maybe you're praying for something that's going on in your life. I don't know. Why don't you come? Come pray. Come get alone with God. Come speak to him. Maybe you're like, I don't know where I'm at in my journey. Come talk to him. Why not? What do I say? I don't know. You just say whatever's on your heart. I don't go to God for you. Uh, you don't need, I'm, I'm saying you don't need me to go to God for you. I will. You go to God yourself, too. He hears you. He cares. Some have come. You wouldn't be alone. If you want to come, pray. Come pray. God, I need peace. Show me how to have it in Christ. Christian, we use the the language of Christianity all the time. Christ is my peace. Oh, great. What does that mean? Well, I have peace. Do you? Well, yes. How does it tangible? How does it apply? How do we get it? That's what Philippians 4 is in part doing. See, here's what happens. When I pray... I'm saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know you do. I know you know. And I'm trusting in that. And I don't have to worry about it anymore because I'm not in control. You are. And if it works out the way I want to, praise God. And if it doesn't, I know you know what's best and you'll take care of me. Okay. I don't have to worry about it anymore. You know why kids don't worry that often? 
Now, some do, and I'm not saying none don't. I mean, none do. But um, the reason why is because they're taken care of. They don't have to worry about what's for lunch. They worry about what's for lunch, but they don't worry about how to get lunch. They're not worried about will there be, and I'm talking general, I'm not talking horrible situations. But they're taken care of, and they just trust that. They trust mom and dad's got it. And usually the younger they are, the more they realize that. The older they get, the more complicated it becomes in their lives. Yeah, for most of your kids, they're not probably worried about their bed tonight or the roof over their head or what clothes they're going to wear. They, they just know it's taken care of. When we get older, we start worrying and getting crazy and our peace is gone. Hey, we're just children before the Lord. Solomon said, I'm just a child that doesn't know how to go in or out. Let's just, he, he's got it. He knows what he's doing. And I'm not letting anybody take away my peace because my father's got it all in control. And he'll take care of me. You can trust him in that. Look up here for just a second. I'm going to pray in just uh, literally five seconds, and then uh, we'll sing a song together. I just want you to know that whatever it is that's robbing you of your peace, you're in the right place, and God loves you, and God knows. And if we could be a help to you, let us be an encouragement to you. I want you to pray for me, because sometimes I lose my peace. And I'm, I'm not saying it's not my fault. Sure could be. But pray for me is the same. But um, I'm glad you're here today, and God has you here for a reason, and he has a message for you and us all together. And I'm glad that he does. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our peace and not just being our peace, but leaving us peace. And Father, that's access through prayer and the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives and trusting you and knowing that we don't know, but you do know. No matter how bad the circumstances are, no matter how much the worry of tomorrow is, may we cast it on you, Lord. You saw the many hands raised. You know what they're going through. You know every intricate detail of their lives that they haven't even considered yet. And Lord, I pray that you'd give them the peace that passes understanding. Please, Lord, in every area, give peace. For anyone here that's not sure of their walk with you, their, of your presence in their life, of heaven, and Lord, I pray that they would call on you to save them. Lord, I pray you bless the refreshments that we'll enjoy and the bagels and fruit. Bless our day. And Father, thank you for giving us that peace. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen.